connection is the energy that exists between two people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So, put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Welcome to this week's episode of the Listen for Life Aphasia podcast. As it is February and it's Valentine's month, um, I think about connection. I think about my families where they've had a loved one who has had a stroke and they have aphasia. I wanted to return to some of my most popular episodes early on in this podcast, starting with episode 19 through episode 23, I had a series entitled Life After Stroke, and it covered topics such as resilience, building a life you love, how to ask better questions, that's an important one, embracing your new reality, and strengthening your marriage. What I wanted to do in this episode is grab a couple of pieces from those episodes to remind you that you are not alone on this journey. There are people that can help, people that can support you, and there's tips and strategies in this episode specifically that you can take home that you can apply today. So let's jump into this episode. I hope you will listen all the way to the end. Enduring stroke can be a very isolating event. Not only does it physically limit a person's ability to communicate, but it also can psychologically damage a person's self-esteem. You lose your identity. As a result, many stroke survivors feel cut off from the world and even more so from their loved ones. If you have a loved one who has suffered a stroke, it is important to find ways to reconnect with them. It may seem daunting at first, but it's very important. Sometimes a stroke patient's recovery success will correlate directly to the support and encouragement they receive from loved ones. While it may feel like connection is the hardest or most vulnerable thing to give to your person after a stroke, it's actually the thing they need the most. The good news is connection fostered over time breeds new levels of relational equity and intimacy and you can get there. Here are four tips. Tip one, speak slowly and clearly. Many times, people who have suffered a stroke have difficulty understanding speech, so it's important to enunciate your words clearly and speak at a slower than normal pace. 
It's also important to speak face-to-face -face with your loved one, making sure that you're both giving each other your most focused attention. This will help to minimize communication misunderstandings that can occur. It's also important to think about how your loved one is learning to process new information. Clarity is helpful in this realm. Make sure to introduce the topic you want to discuss and start off slowly. Yes or no questions are an easy segue into feeling safe and communicating with each other. Once some of the groundwork is laid, you can start to sum up what you've discussed or agreed on and then move forward from there. Just the smallest amount of slowdown is just enough to help your person with aphasia understand. Pauses, slowing down just a little bit can really help to clarify and give your person just that little extra time to process. Let's move on to tip number two. Take advantage of every form of communication. When we think about reconnecting with a loved one, our minds can automatically assume that verbal communication is the only way to create connection. However, the opposite is true. Especially if your loved one suffers from aphasia, which can impair reading, writing, speaking, and listening, it's important to consider all forms of communication possible to reestablish connection. With this in mind, be cognizant of your facial expressions and gestures. More than 70% of communication is nonverbal. So even if your tone is measured and patient, but your body language reads differently, there's a high chance your person will catch onto the underlying message of frustration in your communication and shut down. Another form of communication that is often forgotten is active listening. Engaging active listening with stroke survivors is incredibly important. Since it may take your loved one more time to process and communicate their thoughts and feelings after their stroke, show you're engaged with active listening. Hang on their words. Stay engaged. Even ask them if it's okay to help them communicate by guessing the word they might want to say. Now this goes on an individual basis. You really need to have that conversation with your person with aphasia whether or not they want you to help them or at what point do they want you to help them. Again, there is no one-size-fits-all for communication techniques. So, to continue, active listening can show your loved one that regardless of the rate or medium they communicate with, you still value them deeply and want to understand where they're coming from. Bringing this trust back into your relationship will naturally help you feel more connected to your stroke survivor as you both navigate how to establish parts of your relationship. Tip three, be patient. This is one of those like no duh moments, but when you're in the moment and you're just surviving, you're just getting the next task done and moving forward, it's extremely challenging to be patient. It takes time for people to recover from a stroke, both physically and emotionally. 
So it's important to be patient with your loved one as they adjust to their new reality. Just because your loved one now communicates differently does not give you grounds to treat them differently. Many times, stroke survivors are hesitant to communicate with loved ones for fear of feeling frustrated, demoralized, or even made to feel like an infant. Be ready to be patient and speak to your loved one like an adult who is worthy of not only discussion, but also decision making. By highlighting the dignity in them, you'll automatically begin rebuilding a new relationship as you both adjust to what life after a stroke can look like. Try to avoid interruptions at all costs. Stroke survivors may take longer to process information, so be patient and give them time to respond. I would add to this physical touch when you're having a discussion that's important, something other than just the weather, for example, holding their hand, putting your hand on their shoulder or on their arm can go a long way. Additionally, that helps you to make sure you are in the moment with them communicating and you are giving them your full attention. So tip four, and this is the last of our tips for today, take one day at a time. Those who have survived a stroke and are on a rehabilitation journey will learn quickly that healing is not linear. This means that just because your loved one communicates a concept clearly the day before does not mean that they will necessarily be able to do the same thing today. The mysterious neuroplasticity of the brain takes time and effort to retrain, so don't hold your loved one to an unreachable standard. Instead, remind them that reconnection and communication are lifelong pursuits. Celebrate your small victories and take one day at a time, always hoping that tomorrow they will be stronger. Reconnecting with a loved one after a stroke can be difficult, but it's possible. By speaking slowly and clearly, using facial expressions and gestures, being patient and taking one day at a time, you can begin to rebuild your relationship with your loved one after they have suffered a stroke. Once your connection with your loved one is reestablished, you'll both feel safer, less vulnerable, and more united as a team to take on the challenges lying ahead. So now that you've heard these four tips, how are you doing with connection? I challenge you to reflect for a moment on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst at connection and 10 being the best. Where are you right now at this moment? Reflect on the four strategies presented here and select one of them to improve starting immediately. I hope you were reminded of the tips you can use to reconnect with your person who has aphasia, whether or not they've had a stroke. So we're going to continue on with this episode and we're going to talk about how to rebuild your marriage. Some of you may argue, I'm not married. I don't have a partner. These tips and strategies can be applied to any person in your life. I hope you'll continue listening and get what you can out of this part of the episode.
Stroke can be a trying time for any marriage. Not only is it a health crisis, but it can also be an emotional and financial one as well. Suffering from a stroke has the ability to completely change your life, which will consequently affect your marriage. If your spouse has suffered a stroke, it's important to do everything you can to support them, both physically and emotionally, and work together to rebuild a healthy relationship. If things are difficult in your marriage now, don't be discouraged. They don't have to stay that way. Many people learn how to navigate stroke rehabilitation while strengthening their marriages. Here are a few tips on how to strengthen your marriage after stroke. The first step in strengthening your marriage after a stroke is to communicate openly and honestly with each other about your feelings, needs, and concerns. This is easier said than done, of course especially when you're dealing with the stress of a health crisis. One of the most healthy things you can do for your marriage after a stroke is to grieve together. Regardless of what the future holds, it's important to recognize the differences in your new life. Instead of each of you grieving in isolation in the name of being strong for your partner, allow your mutual emotion to bring you together. Sharing raw, vulnerable moments in the midst of difficulty can not only be a bonding experience, but also help to get both partners on the same page. If one partner is ready to grieve and the other isn't, that's okay. Another good way to build a healthy foundation for your marriage in a difficult season is acknowledge what each partner is going through, whether that's anger, grief, or overwhelm. Try to establish some mutual understanding in your marriage. Lean on each other for support. A stroke can be an isolating experience, so it's important to lean on each other for support, whether you're providing physical care or just being there for an emotional shoulder to cry on. Know that your presence makes a difference. It's okay to ask for help from family and friends too. You don't have to go through this alone. A specific way that you can lean on each other for support is to openly discuss the role differences in your marriage while dealing with the aftermath of a stroke. Many couples encounter role changes in their marriage because the stroke victim no longer has the same capacity to do the things that they could before. While this is not inherently bad, it can be difficult if roles are changing and there is not open communication around it. When giving and receiving has to look different in your marriage, it's important to communicate and reassign what each partner will be responsible for. That way, there is a shared reciprocity, even if it's on a smaller level, and you and your partner can get on the same page about working toward a mutual goal. Of course, these tips are general and broad. Each situation is different and every marriage is different. Make time for each other. 
It's easy to let your relationship take a back seat when you're dealing with a health crisis, but it's important to make time for each other, even if it's just 10 minutes before bedtime to talk or share a hug. We're going to continue this adventure by talking about resilience. Having a positive attitude can make a world of difference. Having faith in yourself, having faith in those that are around you, that are supporting you, knowing that if you focus one day at a time, you too can make a difference and keep moving forward. Let's listen. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, more than 785,000 people in the United States have a stroke each year. If you or a loved one have survived a stroke, Rebuilding a life you love can feel challenging, daunting, and at times even impossible. However, there is hope in recovery to build a life you love post-stroke. Here are a few tips on how to start working towards the life you want and will love. Set realistic goals. Stroke recovery is rarely linear. One of the spouses that I work with had this excellent example about grief and coping with stroke. She said, think of grief as a wave that comes and crashes down on you. And perhaps one day you tumble and you fight to catch your breath and get back to the surface. Other days, they're smaller waves and they might knock you down, but you get up more quickly know that on this journey after a stroke, there will be good days and bad days. And such, it's important to set realistic goals for yourself so that you don't get discouraged when there are setbacks. Talk with your doctor or rehab team about what goals would be realistic for you and then take things one day at a time or even one moment at a time. If the only goal you have in your mind is to rebuild the life you love before your stroke, you will spend your rehabilitation journey frustrated and disappointed. Instead, realistically evaluate your situation and set SMART goals that will help you achieve a little at a time and gain traction towards larger, more life-changing goals. One of the most helpful things when it comes to setting and achieving goals is to visualize what you want your life to look like. For example, you can picture yourself feeling confident, learning a new skill, or progressing in rehab. The truth is that life after a stroke will look different than it did before, but that doesn't mean it can't be good or even great. It will take time, effort, and discipline and mindfulness, but it is possible to build a life you can fall in love with after surviving a stroke. These four tips are just the beginning of a long list, but they're a great starting point for anyone wanting to create or recreate their post-stroke life into something beautiful and rewarding. So I would challenge you to think about the goals you have for yourself if you're the stroke survivor 
or the goals you have as the spouse or partner or caregiver of a survivor. Pick a tangible goal. Better yet, sit down, journal, do some brainstorming. Think about what areas would improve the quality of life for your person or with your person. Then, once you're done brainstorming, see if you can prioritize those. Are there any specific goals on that list that would be easy to accomplish and cross off the list? I feel most gratification when I can cross things off my list. I love a sense of accomplishment and seeing how far I've come. So I would challenge you to start with something easy and get those taken care of. If there's a bigger goal you want to achieve, break it down into pieces. Recovery is not linear. There are peaks and valleys constantly. Just because you took two steps forward today doesn't mean you won't take a step back tomorrow. Try not to let that discourage you. Take a big goal, break it into pieces, and keep moving towards it. We are moving on to resilience. There are four components that make up resilience. Honesty, humility, flexibility, and patience. Keep listening to learn more about these components of resilience. What is resilience? Resilience refers to an individual's ability to cope with stress and adversity. It is the ability to bounce back from challenges and setbacks. Many people assume resilience means that you never struggle or fall down. However, the opposite is actually true. To be resilient, we have to experience painful, stretching situations. I sure wish it weren't so. If you or a loved one has survived a stroke, there is hope in our ability to build resilience. The four components that make up resilience are honesty, humility, flexibility, and patience. Here's how to incorporate these elements of resilience into your recovery. The first is honesty. To build resilience after a difficult medical emergency like a stroke, it's important to be honest about the situation. While a stroke may bring unwanted change into your life or the lives of others, it's important to face the new reality that things are not the same. In many ways, stroke survivors must grapple with the fact that their bodies are not capable of what they used to be. Honest awareness of our capability and situation can be incredibly uncomfortable and discouraging at first. However, it is totally necessary to be honest about the ways your life has changed and how you feel about it. This first step is key to creating an effective plan to, find, to fight difficulty and suffering. Begin by acknowledging the changes that a stroke has brought to you or your loved one's lives. While this is painful, the sooner you're able to look at your current situation with honesty, the quicker you can accept it and begin working to build your resilience in the midst of difficulty. Recognizing our weakness is a pivotal step to developing resilience. 
Another key component of resilience is humility, which essentially boils down to the willingness to look bad, silly, or unable. Many people do not develop a strong sense of resilience in the midst of life's challenges because they refuse to accept that a key part of resilience is sacrificing a positive image of ourselves. To develop resilience, you must accept that there are many things that you or your loved one that survived a stroke will not be able to do. This realization requires a sacrifice of pride to make the decision that your health and progress are more important than the way you may look or feel while relearning basic tasks. Consider allowing the mask of self-sufficiency to fall away and be replaced with a humble attitude. You'll be amazed at how far the small attitude shift will take you on your rehabilitation journey. Let's move on to flexibility. Flexibility is a third component of building resiliency in your rehabilitation journey. Flexibility gives you the power to adapt to your difficult situation and use the same force that is holding you down to push you back up. A huge part of understanding and embodying flexibility is crafting the ability to accept support when you need it. In the wake of a life-changing stroke, many things will be challenging. However, if you can be flexible and allow others to help, support, and teach you, your chances of positive rehabilitation are far higher. If you enter this new and challenging season of life with a rigid mindset, refusing to accept the changes that need to be recognized, it will be far more difficult to build resilience and also create a life that you love. Try embracing flexibility after your stroke. It is uncomfortable. However, the more you incorporate being flexible into your day in small ways, the more natural it will feel. These small moments of flexibility set up a long-standing foundation that can push you towards resilience and and forward motion and away from stagnation. Patience is our last area that we'll cover today. Many say that patience is the most crucial part of resilience. One of the easiest ways to develop patience in the midst of hardship is to embrace a playful mindset and experiment, observe and play. A playful mindset allows us to fully engage in what our current reality is. For example, If you or a loved one struggled to complete a common task, try again that same day and flex the muscle of patience. If you are still not able to complete the common task, set it aside and experiment with something that you can do. Play with the little things around the house and see what your body and brain will allow you to move forward with. A patient mindset consistently invites curiosity into the equation, and when patience and curiosity are combined, the results can be staggering, staggeringly positive. We don't develop patience by sitting still until our lives return to normal. 
This just isn't a reality. Instead, we rest, play, and creatively engage with our surroundings to strengthen our patience and ultimately build our resilience in the face of difficult illness. Building resilience after a stroke takes time, effort, and patience, but it is possible. By accepting your new reality, connecting with others who understand, taking care of yourself physically and emotionally, and setting small goals along the way, you can build the strength you need to live a fulfilling life after stroke. So those four areas we talked about today are honesty, humility, flexibility, and patience. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We brought you excerpts from the five-part series, Building a Life After Stroke. Those were episodes 19 through 23 of the Listen for Life Aphasia podcast. I will link each of those episodes in the show notes. And speaking of show notes, have you checked out the Listen for Life Aphasia podcast.com website? I am super excited to bring this website to you. And here's why. I have this separate website where all of the podcast content lives. And on that website is LP. I think I'm going to call him LP. Uh, the Life Podcast Robot. LP lives on the podcast website and you can ask him questions. You can say something like, what episode talks about grief? What episodes talk about self-care? These kinds of questions. You can ask about anything we've covered on these episodes. As we continue to add episodes, LP is going to be able to reference that material and get you to the exact spot in the episode where I talk about whatever it is the topic you put in. The website is under construction. You are still able to go log in and look at it. If you use LP for searching, LP is going to ask for your first name and your email address. And that is just a security safety thing that we are able to track who is coming into the website and who's accessing the material. I hope you've been reminded of some of these simple action steps you can take to help with connection and building your resilience and to keep moving forward. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. There are professionals, there are family, there are friends, there are neighbors that are here to support you. You don't have to do this alone. If we can support you on your journey in whatever way you need it, please reach out. You can always book a free consultation by going to dolifespeechpathology.com and on the home page, you can't miss it, it says book a free Zoom consultation. I am more than happy to speak to any of you at any time. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. 
Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.